Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to talk this morning about something totally different. Um, like I, t- I said last night, I am a vision specialist, and I don't mean that in an arrogant sense. I know how to get things done. Uh, first, you've got to have God on your side. Number two, you've got to know how to work. And when you, when you put that combination together, it's amazing uh, what you can accomplish in this life. I'm not waiting to get on the other side to enjoy what's on the other side. <laughs> I'm enjoying it here. So I don't have to go to school when I get to heaven. So I'm not waiting. Let me say it again. I'm not waiting on the other side to get what they got there. Uh, here, I'm, I'm getting it now. And, but I've learned something about Satan. He is not in your face as a lot of people think he is. Satan is never in the headlines. He's in the small print. Where the power is of a contract or the power of anything is in the small print. If you notice when they do commercials, they tell you this stuff is so great. And then you see this little small print go. And if you read that, you'd find out what that product was all about. I want to talk today about quit believing for what you don't want. And Satan does that in such a subtle way. And we delay what we should have. And one of my points is, and I'm going to just stop, stop nursing your sorrows. See, you're believing for something you don't want and you nurse it. And I'm going to deal with that in a few minutes. Stop nursing your secret, your secret sorrows. Nurse what you should have instead of what you have. See, nurse, let me say it again. Stop nursing your secret sorrows. Nurse what you should have instead of what you have. See, I don't even deal with what I have. I'm dealing with what I want. I call those things that be not as though they were. You see, I'm not waiting and your people say, you wait on the Lord. And that's true. But you see, he, he's finished waiting. Yes. Right. Yeah. He, he's been wanting to do this for thousands of years. But I want to read uh, a couple of passages of scripture. Job is a great guy. Most people don't know the difference between the spelling of Job and the spelling of job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's how you look at something. You know what I'm saying? Job was a great guy. Now, why was he attacked so ferociously? Well, he was the richest man in the East. See, a rich man can hurt you. Poor man can't. Rich man can hurt you. So Satan said, we got we, we to we take this boy down some way, shape, or form. Now watch this. You know, you get around people and, and they, they don't even re- realize that Satan has already captured them and, and he's trying to capture you. And they say things in such a subtle way that you begin to believe in something you don't want. And the worst people about that is doctors. And I'm going to deal with that in just a minute. Job in chapter 3. It's right before Psalms. That'll help you. Job chapter 3, verse 25. He says this, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. Now he's believing for something he don't want. For the thing I greatly feared. That's done before it happened. Notice that. Job 3, verse 25. For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Now, why would you believe for something you don't want? 
I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. I had trouble last night. We got to the hotel and we were tired. We laid down and I mean, you just start to sleep in about 20 minutes and the television came on by itself. <laughs> so Kathy said, turn that television on. Mama and I didn't put it on. <laughs> so I tried to take it off with the clicker and it wouldn't work. I did everything I could find. I must have hit something right. It went off. So I got back in bed. 35 minutes later, the television came on. And it said this, Biden, they ought to be charging Biden. I, th I thought I was dreaming. <laughs> and I have people tell me all the time, say, well, Richard, you don't worry about the Biden administration. Why should I? He ain't going to remember what he said. Why should I remember what he said? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't mean that to be rude, but I'm flying out right after service. I got to get out of here. <laughs> so cut it off again. It wasn't what? 40 minutes. Boom, it came on again. Kathy gets up. Unplug it. I said, I prefer to rip it off the wall. She says, I found a red button. And I, and it, I hit the red button and it went off. I said, great. <laughs> 40 minutes later, boom, the television came on again. You think God was wanting me to watch Fox? <laughs> now it changed every time it came, it came on and the last one was CNN. I knew that was uh, the devil. I said, I, I, said I, I, ain't, I ain't watching it. <laughs> now don't get mad at me. I don't hate the Democrats. My wife is a Republican. I'm not. Y'all wanna know what I am? I'm an independent. I've always loved to be independent <laughs> because there's problems in all parties. Finally, I left the television on and hit the mute button because it wasn't going off. And I kept saying, that thing keeps coming on. I said, wait, why am I believing for it to come on when I don't want it to come on? And I've never had a television do that ever. And I've stayed in thousands of hotels over the years. It's never just come on. In fact, I thought somebody had come in my room for a minute. So that's what Job said, what I greatly fear. Now, has come upon, why are you believing for that? Now go with me to the book of Genesis. Let me show you how this runs through the body of Christ. Genesis chapter 42. I really like Jacob because he was, he, he was a little, you know, you had to watch him, you know, because he, he'd stick you. But he was a pretty good businessman, but you had to watch him, you know. <laughs> and, you know, he, he, he's supposed to be smart, but, you know, <laughs> you don't marry the wrong woman. And Laban gave him his, uh, the, 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 the older woman. You think he'd have put the light on. <laughs> but he had things on his mind. And then when the light came on, he, had, he got the wrong one. Oh, Jesus, he got the ugly sister. But that's it. Now, that's the end of that. I'll give you a word of knowledge. Keep the light on. <laughs> Jacob had a bad habit of believing for things he didn't want. You never be partial. You don't love one child more than the other. And he loved Joseph because he came from Rachel and Benjamin. But them other guys, 
They were Leah. Yet who did God bless? Leah. Because she was done wrong. See, and she was, she was abused and done wrong. But you know, and, and you shouldn't do that. But the, the 12 tribes, most of the tribes of Israel came out of Leah. You see what I'm saying? Look what he says here. In Genesis chapter 42. I want to start reading with verse uh, 36. He's now, you know, he's, he's trying to get to Egypt. And Jacob, their father, said unto them, Me have ye be breathed of my children. Joseph is not. Joseph was sold into slavery. Simeon is not. And you will take Benjamin away? All these things are against me. See, he's already believing for something he didn't want. And Reuben spake up unto his father, saying, Slay my two sons, if I bring him not to thee, and deliver him into my hand, and I will bring him to thee again. He didn't want to lose Benjamin because he lost Joseph. And he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead. Now, how did he know that? Well, he saw some blood on a, on a carcass. But that don't mean he's dead. But he's already believing something. And he is left alone. If mischief befall him by the way in which, the which he go, then shall you bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. And you know, of all the patriarchs, he lived the least. Abraham lived longer than him. Isaac lived longer than him. Because Jacob was always believing for stuff he didn't want. And use his own way of taxes to how to get stuff when all he had to do is believe God. Yet, now Esau, let me tell you something about Esau. It shouldn't have been Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That wasn't right. It was supposed to be Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But Esau didn't love God the way Jacob did. Now Jacob didn't know it too much, but Esau, you would have loved Esau. Everybody loved Esau. Esau's an athlete. Esau could take care of the tribe. Esau's a hunter. Jacob, he's a mama boy. But not Esau. Isaac said, I want Esau. Because if anything happened to me, he can take care of this tribe. He can feed this tribe. Women liked Esau. And he was a man's man. Jacob, he, didn't even, he hardly had no hair on his body. He had to put sheep wool on it. Probably didn't have any hair on his chest. Man, my, Esau looked like a gorilla. Because he could take care of things. But his heart wasn't right. You see. And God said, Jacob, I love me, Esau, I hate it. Now, that's a strong word there. It was more of a mistranslation. That was that he did not care for his birthright. Now, Jacob went, wrong, went up the wrong way of getting it. That's not the issue. But Esau, since he's so intelligent and everybody loves him, you'd think he wouldn't sell it for a, you know, a bowl of beans or the lentils, I think, or whatever that lentils is. You see, so... He believed for things he didn't want. Because these things are so subtle. And that's how Satan gets in your camp. Messes up your prayers. You begin to realize, wait a minute. Why am I believing for something I don't want? Write this down. If you anticipate trouble, it will double. If you anticipate trouble, it will double. Avoid dwelling on unpleasantness. Okay, let me give you an example. This literally happened. Uh, I'm the last to plant this in my family. All of my brothers and my sisters, my grandpa, they're all going to heaven. This is it. 
I'm the last one. Now, Kathy's concerned about me sometimes because, I mean, I, you know, because I run like a gazelle. I'll be 74 uh, next month, July the 9th. I run, and, and most of my staff can't stay up with me. I'm not bragging about that. just what I do. Kathy said, now, you need to go get yourself checked out. I don't like doctors. I mean, I like doctors as people. But they got the spirit of nakedness on them. <laughs> they do. They do. I mean, you go in and say, Doc, I, I got a sore throat. Take your pants off. No, no, I, I, I don't want to take my pants off. My, it's my throat. They will strip you. Am I telling the truth? They will strip you down. I don't like that. I'm not embarrassed. That's not the issue. The issue is my throat hurts, man. Well, so Cass said, you got to go get your heart checked out because my father had a terrible heart attack at 34 and he was disabled. My young, oldest brother had a major heart attack when he was 34. My youngest brother had a major heart attack when he was 34. And I've never had a heart attack. Any of that stuff, you know. Make a long story short. So I go down there, you know. <laughs> and they know me. It's in New Orleans. And I said, hey, hey, you got you to do those things. She said, you need to go get your prostate checked. I said, what is that? She said, I said, where is it? She told me. I said, well, uh, I ain't never seen it. Why well, I want to show it to somebody who wants to look at it. And this is my butt. I don't want nobody messing with my butt. I'm, get, I'm getting out of town right after service. Yeah. Now, they say this, you know, you got, you got to watch that, boy. And you have no trouble. You got to watch, watch it. They're trying to make you believe for something you don't want. Subtle. So... I had to go see him first in the courtyard. So I walked in there and he goes, uh, how you doing, Reverend DePlanz? I, I watch you on television. I said, I want to see your hands. <laughs> he said, what? This is Dr. Broga, great guy. I've become his friend. I said, I want to see your hands. He's he going to examine me. He says this. I said, oh, God, he got big fingers. <laughs> Jesus, man. And then the next thing I'm singing, moon rubber, wider than a mile. I, I said, do, do you like this? And I'm, I'm looking at, hey, hey, do you like this? He said, I hate it. He said, uh, I'm good at it. I don't want to be a urologist. I want to be some other kind of doctor, but I'm very good at it. He said, do you know you have a prostate like a 25-year-old man? I said, well, get your hand off of it. And then he says this. He said, you're a very healthy man. I said, well, thank you. I appreciate that. He said, no, nah, you got to be careful about these things. I said, stop. He just looked at me. I will not receive what you say. I don't deny what you say. You want me to anticipate trouble. Doctors are bad about that. Because you just never know. If you anticipate trouble, it will double. 
avoid dwelling on unpleasant. So the last time I went, <laughs> they got to take a, a PSI test. Is that right? PSA test. Uh, it's a blood test sometimes. Yeah. He, so he's looking. He said, my God, man. Yeah, yeah, PSA is so good. We don't need to do an exam. I said, I'll see you later. <laughs> you want to talk? I said, no, you might change your mind. <laughs> I'll see you next year. See you later, doc. So, you know, but what? Yeah, but you, he said, but before you go, when I first went, he said, we got to have some information on you. So I'm going to send my nurse in. I said, okay. She comes, she says, Adam, how you doing, Reverend Duplantis? I said, I'm doing fine. I need to ask you a few questions. You have any sexual problems? <laughs> I, I, I just looked at her. I said, what did you say? <laughs> she said, do you have any sexual problems? When you have sex, do you have any problems? <laughs> Look at this little Mary. <laughs> He's fine. Keep talking. Keep talking. I said, well, you'd have to ask my wife. She determines that, not a man. Man gonna lie like a dog. I got the stuff. No, you don't. You just think you do. And I said, I don't like that. I said, let me turn... Let me turn the uh, subject around. I said, have you had sex this morning? She goes. I said, tell me. And was it good? She goes. I said, is that bothering you? I said, I noticed that it's bothering you. I said, so you have forgot that we're people, not cattle. I said, so tell me, did you? She didn't know what to say. I said, do you see how I put you in a wrong place? I said, I don't like those. I understand you trying to diagnose me. I said, if I would have had problems of saying, and I come to see a doctor, I would tell him. I'm not embarrassed. He said, man, I got a problem here about something or whatever. But immediately, you see, so now, <laughs> I went last year. I said, how you doing, little lady? She said, I didn't, and walked off. <laughs> I, I just said, okay, that's all that. that ain't none of my business. You understand what I'm saying? All right. Doctors. What they're trying to do is put the ghost of fear on you. Let me say the point. The ghost of fear or the ghost of care and fear will build a false and artificial wall around you. Making you believe for something you don't want. The ghost of care and fear will build a false and artificial wall around you. So he says, I need, I need to take, get some information. They always want information. So they make you sit on that table with the paper on it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, that, that paper? Kind of like a half table, you know. It has his clipboard. Uh, have you ever had any cancer in your family? I said, yes, sir. I said, my grandfather died of cancer. I said, uh, my Uncle Dennis, my mother's oldest brother, I can't see, he goes, uh-oh, check, check me out. I'm just looking at it. He said, have you ever had any diabetes in your family? I said, my mother was a borderline diabetic, and I had a great aunt that I think died of diabetes. He goes, 
Uh oh, check that out. Have you had any heart trouble in your family? I said, yes, sir. I said, my father had a major heart attack at 34. My oldest brother had a major heart attack at 34. And my youngest brother had one too. He goes, hmm, hmm, hmm. Uh oh. It's starting to irritate me. See, he's trying to, he's telling me what I'm telling me, genetics. So I reached over and took the clipboard out of his hand. He looked, I said, sit down, doc. I got off the table. And next, I said, sit down. He said, what? I said, sit down. I said, doctors can talk to doctors. I'm a doctor of divinity. Sit down. The door's closed. He's looking at the door. He's freaking out. He, he sits there. You know. I said, have you ever had cancer in your family? He said, what? I said, answer the question, doc. You ever had cancer in your family? He said, well, yeah. I went, hmm. oh, oh, and I checked him off. I checked him off on diabetes, cancer, and heart trouble. And I said, doc, I'm not genetically linked up with any of my family. I'm genetically linked up with the Lord Jesus Christ. He don't have heart trouble. He don't have cancer. He don't have diabetes. Do you understand that? See, he's trying to put something in me to make me believe for something I don't want. And it's subtle. It's all done in medical. Th- and I understand what they're trying to do. But see, Satan is in the fine print. It's a good sermon, isn't it? See, he looked at me and he goes, yeah, I don't feel good. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm going to pray for you, doc. He said, I've never had anybody ever pray for me in 40 years. I said, well, I'm going to pray for him. And I just, I laid my hand. Jesus, touch this doctor. Help him, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. He goes, I said, how you feel? He said, yeah. I don't have, I don't have any stomach problems. I said, what's your favorite meal? He, Cajun, he said, red beans and rice. I said, go home and eat some today. He said, I've wanted to eat that for years and I couldn't. I said, you healed, doc. Do you understand? You healed. I didn't say, well, no. You better stay away from them beans. Well, he forgot to do the electrocardiogram. I just freaked him out. He called back at, at my office two days later. He said, you need to come back so we can finish this. So I said, okay. So I came back to the clinic and then, and, uh, and you know, and that doctor's office full. I mean, just full. But people waiting. One guy looks at me and says, you're going to be here a long time. I said, I don't think so. Well, who, well, who are you? I said, no, nobody in particular. Well, they heard me talking. And the doctor said, is, is, is Reverend DePlantis? Bring him in here. I look at the man. I went, see? So I walked in there. He grabs me by the arm and he pulls me in and then closed the door. He said, you know what I did? I said, what'd you do? He said, I went home and ate a whole plate of red beans and rice and a piece of sausage. You know, stuff I tell people not to eat. <laughs> you know, cholesterol. And all that. He said, it was so good. I'm healed. Yeah. I said, yes. And I told him, I said, see, doc, you, and I understand technology, I understand medical, I know you're trying to do right, but I will not let you make me believe for something I don't want. And I told you when, when I left what you could do. And I didn't warn you about it because I knew the Lord healed your body. See, the ghost of care and fear will build a false and artificial wall around you. 
You see, I, you, know, you know why I don't care about nothing? People get mad. I just had a plan. He don't care about nothing. You know why? Care is a form of pride. You saying God can't handle your business, so you take it back from him and worry about it. That's care. When the Bible says casting all your care. I mean, it don't go away easy. You got to cast it. You got to throw it out. You got to pull it out. It's a form of pride. God, you can't handle it, so I'm just going to have to worry about it and fix this. Mm. Which brings me to my next point. Imagination takes trouble and puts it into your future. See, they make you imagine something's going to happen and it puts it in your future and you wait on it. Have you ever got a diagnosis? Maybe you had cancer and man, they went through the blood and they say, you don't have one cancer cell in your body. It's so exciting. Woo! But you know, it'll never come back. Trying to make you believe for something you don't want. Job, Jacob, my God, that's happening so much in the body of Christ today. They'll say, man, go out there and build that church. Now, don't, you know, and you don't have a lick of trouble yet. Now, you know, you're going to have trouble. And, you know, so when trouble shows up, you think God sent it. And you started believing for something you didn't want. You see what I'm saying? That's imagination takes trouble and puts it into your future. See, so I refuse. I will not let people do it. I hate prejudice with a passion. I don't know what color you are unless you tell me. Because we're human beings. Now, let's just face it. Black people can sing. They can flat sing. It's a gift of God. But if you needed a blood transfusion and you and you a man and you got a pint of a black man's blood, you think you could sing better? <laughs> I don't think so. You know why? Because it's blood. If you don't think God got a sense of humor, we're interchangeable inside, but not outside. My heart will work, in, brother, in, the, in your chest. Your lungs will work in mine. That's right. The difference between us is one sixteenth of an inch of pigmentation called in your skin. That's it. Now we've been fighting over one sixteenth and we made out of dirt. You've been fighting over dirt. Why did God make Eve out of, out of Adam's rib? Because everybody loves ribs. <laughs> hey, so y'all, y'all, y'all having ribs? Oh yeah, we coming. I say in that to say this, we are prone to overstate the ills of life and forget the numberless hours of joy. So when Satan tries to get me to remember something that was wrong, I said, that's not my thoughts. Let me tell you what happened to me today. And I start thinking about the good things. It's the good life. And I just enjoy myself. But we tend to overstate the ills of life and forget the numberless hours of joy. You see what I'm saying? Uh, like I told you last night, they told me, boy, when you go into ministry, you better get ready. You're going to suffer, 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 suffer. And I went, well, well G- Jesus never had a financial deficit. That doesn't mean the devil did not try to hurt me. But before I got home, everything was met. And not barely. I mean, 
met and over by sinners because Christians wouldn't do what God told them to do. Every project, Nancy, God has given you to do in your ministry, Morgan, all your, whether it's the church or, or the tribe, has already been answered. It has already been, uh, God's already taken care of that. It's just people that won't do what he said. And let me tell you what's going to happen to some of y'all. Because you won't do it, God's going to get a sinner and a sinner's going to get your blessing. God blessed that Philistine because he took care of the Ark of the Covenant. God's going to bless people if they'll obey it. The Bible said in Isaiah 1, 19, if you be willing and obedient, you need the good of the land. Some people are willing, but they're not obedient. Now watch that. Then they flip the coin. Some people are willing or some people are obedient, but they're not willing, which cancels out everything you're going to do. You see, so I refuse to believe for things I don't want. So I finally told the cardiologist, I ain't coming here no more. I said, I'm not going to let you determine my future. Now, you can check my body out. Do like, I'm not going to let you. I said, besides that, it's a bunch of old people over there. I, don't, I said, do I look like these people? She said, no. They're all, oh. <laughs> that stuff will get on you, man. I said, if I have any problems, my, my Holy Spirit is let me know. And if he tells me to go to a doctor, I went. And I believe in doctors. I believe in medicines. I believe in all that. I mean, you know, I'm not, you know, uh, you know some people, uh, one of the greatest guys, I can't call his name right now. He, if he didn't went to a doctor, he, 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 he believed that if he went to a doctor, there was total no faith at all. And all he had to do was put alcohol on that leg and kill that germ. And he'd have been living. But he died. He turned into gangrene because he refused to treat it. That's silliness. That's ignorance going to seed. So we're prone to overstate the ills of life and forget the numberless hours of joy. So when the devil tries to make me feel bad, I start thinking about the good things. And all of a sudden, man, all that stuff goes away and you don't even think about it. Hmm. Nothing can be more disastrous than the expectation of future punishment. Write it down. Nothing can be more disastrous than the expectation of future punishment. That's a scared conscious talking. Meteorologists do it all the time. It's the only job I've ever seen in the weather. You can be totally wrong and you don't have to say, I'm sorry. I mean, they are so wrong so many times. But we just take it and and, and they create fear because it keeps you watching. Isn't that amazing? Future punishment. You better get ready. See, so many people preach hell so hard that people got saved just for a while. It'll get you to the altar, but can it get you to heaven? Because you got saved under fear instead of under faith. And then after a while, it says it doesn't work. Wow. I never forget when I first started preaching with Kenneth and Jerry. Then it was just Kenneth, Jerry, and Gloria. And Ken said, I want you to join this team. Creflo didn't exist. Didn't, uh, uh, Keith Moore, none of them were preaching these believers conventions. So I said, oh, okay, you know, so we started. Now I said, and it was amazing. I never thought I would preach more than maybe one convention, maybe the most two, and that's it, because Jerry is his preaching partner. And I understand that. I, I, understand that. I never realized that I actually needed Kenneth as a friend, and he needed me as a friend. And we needed each other in ministry. So I told him one day, I said, why did you, I am so totally different from you guys. Why did you want me? Because the Lord told me to do it. And beside, you changed us in a good way. I said, oh, 
okay. I said, he said, just do what you do. He said, you know what I love about you? You never use my pulpit to make your ministry bigger. Jan Krause told me that. You, I got to go get you in the back because everybody wants that TBN limelight. Mm-hmm. No, I don't do that. I said, I'm a brick in the wall. Kenneth, when I'm preaching for you, Jesse, the plans don't exist. When I'm receiving an offering, Jesse, the plans don't exist. This is Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And he loves that. I'm not in competition. I'm not trying to build my ministry. I'm in cooperation. See, I understand that I can't be Kenneth Copeland. One of my greatest pleasures in life is old Roberts called me. And that's when he had the ICBM. That's what it was called, I think. International. Uh, is it? I? But anyway, he said, he said, Jesse, this is oil. I said, hello, Chancellor Rob. He said, I want you to preach my convention. I want you to preach Thursday night. And I thought, he preaches Thursday night. He opens that up. I said, uh, Chancellor Roberts, I, I, maybe you got your dates mixed up, but you preach Thursday night. He said, I am preaching Thursday night. He said, I want you to tag team with me. At the maybe seven. He said, and I want George Myers to do it too. I want to, we're going to tag team, me, you, and George Myers. I said, okay. Well, man, <laughs> I was supposed to be second. Joyce comes up to me and said, oh, she's sweating, running, sweating, running. Down. She said, you're not nervous? I said, no. Why should I be nervous? I can't be Oral Roberts. I wish I could preach like Oral Roberts. I said, I, I wish I could preach like you, Joyce. I love the way you teach. I said, but I can't be Joyce Myers, but I can be Jesse Duplantis. Yeah. She said, well, you, would you let me go second? I said, yeah, go second. I'll close the gate. <laughs> And it was one of the most wonderful times. It was just such a blessing to be able to have that in my repertoire of evangelistic preachings. Why weren't you scared? Because I don't have a scared conscience. I don't expect future punishment. Because that's believing for something you don't want. Nothing can be more disastrous than the expectation of future punishment. That's a scared conscious talking. I love Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Let's just go over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. It's a very familiar scripture uh, in the Gospels. And it's just such a blessing. And here's the point. Take God's advice and be not anxious for tomorrow. I have been down in three airplane crashes. That'll make a Baptist speak in tongues. <laughs> Whether he believe it or not. And people criticize me because I have that jet. I just fly over the house, tip the wing and go on. <laughs> I'm not concerned about that. Because I want I get on that plane, I want that thing to be safe. Take God's advice and be not anxious for tomorrow. And that's Matthew 6, 34. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm just concerned about today. What will you have me do today? You see, tomorrow's going to take care of itself. And it just works that way. So I just take God's advice. So when people try to make me believe for something, that I don't want, I stop them. I stop prejudice if I'm in a, uh, a restaurant. Somebody says, excuse me, you think that's a joke. That's not a joke. That's a shot. You see things, I mean, I, I just refuse, I refuse to do that. 
I love the Jewish people and they love me. Amen. I'm asked to preach at some of the biggest Jewish synagogues in the country. You ought to see that. It's amazing. I had two rabbis behind me one time, me and Kathy walking in the mall. They said, excuse me, excuse me. And I turned around. Oh, you uh, Reverend Jesse Duplantis? I said, yes, I am. He said, I am rabbi. I said, this is my other friend, rabbi. He said, we watch you every Sunday morning. You say such interesting things. <laughs> I said, well, thank you, rabbi. What a blessing. I said, you actually watch me? Oh, yes, yes, yes. He said, we would love for you to come and speak to our congregation. I said, well, I'd love to, rabbi. It would be an honor. So I said, well, this big, bigger rabbi is in Boston. I preached at the biggest synagogue in Boston. He asked me to come. I got there. I didn't know where to stand because it's totally different than this. You know, and I, you know, I'm trying to do right. And, you know, I had my friend say, what you going to preach on? I said, the God of Abraham. I ain't been doing this. I learned some things doing this thing. So I said, Rabbi, it's such an honor that you would ask me to speak in the synagogue. Oh, he said the same. You say such interesting things. I said, now, Rabbi, you know, I'm a Christian. He said, yes. I said, can I say Jesus? He said, not too much. <laughs> I lost it when he said that. So I preached on the God of Abraham. Oh, he said, and these people just loved it. They couldn't get over it. Well, at the end of the service, we was in the back. I said, Rabbi, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. I said, do you know Jesus is Jewish? I said, what's the matter? You don't like your own people? He goes, this is what I'm talking about. You say such interesting things. <laughs> ah, but I got an open invitation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to let my light shine. Right. Take God's advice and be not anxious for tomorrow. Amen. Now, how do you do this? Absolute abandonment. Write this down. Absolute abandonment of self to the reliability of God emancipates your mind. I write better than I preach. I've had several people say, you write intelligent. I write better than I preach. You know, but I got that this in me, you know. Absolute abandonment of self to the real reliability of God emancipates the mind. I've lost my mind and I've received the mind of, of Christ. I don't know who I am. See, if you can get up tomorrow or this afternoon and you look in the mirror, you can recognize yourself. You're not crucified with Christ. You have to be totally abandoned. Let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus was such a blessing. But Jesus had a little gangsta in him. But not in a bad way. You didn't mess with Jesus. This big bad boy, Saul of Tarsus. I got power. I got letters from the church. I'm killing Christians. He was a, he was a modern day uh, Osama bin Laden. He pulled kids out, people kill them in the streets. All in the name of God. More people have died over religion than anything else. So this big bad boy Saul, he's going he to do something. On the road to Damascus, Jesus slapped the boy off the donkey. Whack! And I'm going to paraphrase it. Jesus looked at him and said, you want to dance with me? You want some of this? Now if that's not gangster, I just don't know what is. But not in a bad way. You know what Big Saul said? Lord, <laughs> you slap a bully. <laughs> what will thou have me to do? Self-abandonment. Boom! Lost everything. 
of himself right there. Self-abandonment or absolute abandonment of self to the, real, the reliability of God emancipates the mind. So because I don't have doubt in my life, and I don't mean that pridefully, I just do what I got to do. Uh, I went to Belfast, Northern Ireland many, many years ago, and they put uh, notes, Morgan, under my um, hotel door, said, if you preach tonight, we will kill you, the IRA. Did that, you think that bothers me? I've been down on three airplane crashes. You think I'm going to spend the last minute of my life screaming when I know I'm going to die? You done lost your mind? I'm going to say, boy, Jesus, this was a great life. I'll see you in about two seconds. But I'll tell you, whoo, and then bam, and it's over. You think I'm going to be screaming like a crazy fool? I said, well, I'm going to preach at that place. Oh, they were mad. Jam-packed the place. What was the name of that place there? There in Belfast? There? That's where the Titanic was built. Was Belfast. Did you know that's where it was built? Ulster Hall. Hall. I mean, it was jam-packed. Was, we had a blessing, man. I, and uh, <laughs> they ran an article on me uh, that, that uh, riot in town hall because I, I filled up the place and filled up the street. 800 people, the police trying to get to me, and they couldn't because the people said, you're not touching this man. And I, I mean, they were mad. They were trying to get into church. They couldn't. So I told them, keep singing. I said, give me a ladder. And I got up a ladder. I just stood up and I preached to the 800 people on the streets. Wow. And the cops trying to get in. They shutting them down. I said, Kathy, come up here and say a word. Kathy climbs up there. She goes, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I said, get her down fast. <laughs> I don't want nobody to shoot my wife. Oh, they were mad. Well, I got invited. What's that? Uh, there's, there's Northern Ireland and Ireland. They got the Republic of Ireland and the Northern Ireland. You don't mix them up, they get mad. The Republic of Ireland. So I couldn't fly over there because IRA's fighting. So I got to drive. A guy said, I'm going to drive you. Now watch this now. Quit believing for what you don't want. That driver said, Now, Jesse, we just love to get killed. I said, You want to die today? You want me to believe what you just said? I have not finished my destiny, much less reached my destination. Just drive. He was a great guy. I liked him. So we drive. All of a sudden, we have to stop at this thing like you're going through custom. And a red light is right here. And he said, but just don't move. They got a rifle on you. You know, the scope right there. I said, can he see me? Oh, yeah, he can see you. And he's going like, he's sweating, man. I said, well, if you, what, what are you looking at me for? Shoot the gun. Do what you got to do. I'm going to preach this gospel. You understand? Mm, the red light comes up to my head. I say, what are you waiting on? Mm. <laughs> Off. Wow. They went, go through. <laughs> I said, Eric, he said, I'm going. <laughs> he said, you wasn't scared. Now, I'm not trying to be a man. But I said, no, God sent me to preach that gospel. There ain't nothing in hell or the IRA or anybody else going to stop this. Now, you can say what you want, who you think you are, everything God said. I refuse to believe for something I don't want. And we had a knockdown, drag out Holy Ghost meeting. Brother Jesse, you don't fear nothing. No. Why should I? 
I'm not big enough to whip nobody, but I was raised on the streets of New Orleans with La Cosa Nostra. That's the mafia. I was raised with a bunch of Sicilians. We got any Sicilians in here? Yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, hallelujah. Yeah, and, and my grandfather said, you do what you got to do. Somebody mess with you, that's what the Mississippi River for. Alligator got eaten. <laughs> no, no, I'm not kidding you. That happened. Making me believe something we thought was good when it's terrorism? Murder? Where's Fred? Witness protection. <laughs> Craziness. And then when I got born again, I had to go have a sit down. Because you don't get out of this stuff. They said, what's the model? I said, I ain't happy. Where were you at? My name was Jerry then. My name was Jerry Jackson, J-A-X-O-N. Jesse the Plant is too Cajun, so they changed the name, you know, as I did all this stuff. They still call me Jerry. People think I'm Jerry Savelle. <laughs> I said, I'll tell you how you can tell the difference. I'm taller. <laughs> Not by much. And I'm fatter. I had a guy who was in Hawaii. He comes up, he says, Brother Jerry, how you doing? He's looking at it. I said, I'm doing fine. Boy, I heard you last night. You were so wonderful. I said, did it bless you? He said, he said it blessed me, man. Would you pray for me? I said, sure. Oh, Brother Savelle, I just thank you for praying. Oh, Jesus, I just bless it. I never told him any difference. <laughs> we're on the same team. Jerry goes over there. They call him Jesse. We should have been brothers. I said, maybe we are. No, I'm not. <laughs> I was a sinner. He, wasn't, he was raised up pretty nice. You know, he's dead. You know, okay. But not me. I just refuse to let anyone put something in me that's not godly. Amen. Especially what I don't want. Amen. This is a very simple sermon, yet it's very profound because it's done. It's subtle. It's not headlight, it headlines. It's fine print. Absolute abandonment. So when I got born again, that's what happened to me. I was drinking a fifth of whiskey a day. That means get up in the morning, have scotch and soda, scotch and water, and eat eggs. By 2 o'clock, that bottle's gone. And then we start drinking at night. And girls screaming. You should have seen that. I worked on the same circuit with Led Zeppelin, ZZ Top, Alice Cooper, you know, Sly and the Family Stone, Ike and Tina Turner. Girls screaming and young people, that's your grandma screaming. <laughs> and in those days, she'd do this and the arms didn't flop in those days. You know? <laughs> they didn't do it. <laughs> it was just crazy. But when Jesus came into my life, I was like Saul of Tarsus. I, I didn't drink. Huh, Kathy, I didn't do it. Kathy said I had to learn a new language. Every other word was a cuss word. And do you know how many people tried to get me to believe that that stuff would happen to me? I would say four months. Remember Brother Rayford? He was a great man. He's in heaven. The first pastor that pastored me. He said, now, Brother Jesse, you know, got kind of a little Pentecostal, Brother Jesse, you don't want to get around people with booze because, you know, you drank so much. And I just looked at it. And I had read 2 Corinthians 5, 17 that day. I said, Brother Reverend, do you think I'm saved? Now, I didn't know. I knew enough to be dangerous. I didn't know it was Malachi. I thought it was Malachi. <laughs> well, a man robbed God. I remember thinking, not in my neighborhood, Jack. 
because you're going down. Ba-ba-boom. And I said, do you believe I'm saved? He said, yeah. I said, well, you know, I said, the scripture said, therefore, if anybody be in Christ, he's a new creature. I said, but Reverend, old things have passed away. Why are you reminding me of that? That does not exist. Tears came in his eyes. He looked at me and said, you've been saved four months and you know more about this than I do. The difference was I had no doubt. He went by experience. I went by the word. And I know people struggle sometimes when they get born again. They still struggle with booze or drugs or whatever. I never did because, see, I totally self-abandoned myself. I abandoned. And the Lord, I said, how come I never struggled like that? And I love the statement he gave me. He said, you let the purity of the gospel go as far as the pollution of sin. He went all the way down and cut it out. It was wonderful. So let me get to that point I told you at the very beginning. Stop nursing your secret sorrows. Nurse what you should have instead of what you have. So instead of saying, looking at the debt all the time, start thinking debt free. Start saying it out loud. Start telling people. They're going to think you're crazy, but they think you're crazy anyway. You ain't changing their mind. You're not trying to change their mind. You're changing your mind. The Bible said you'll have what you say. The problem is you've been saying what you have instead of having what you say. So you swapped it around. You know, bad things happen to good people. No, no, that's wrong. Good people happen to bad things. They just happen to show up and bad things happen. You change them. I got a little thing that I do on social media called faith the facts. Don't fear the facts or face them. You faith them and you watch it work. You see, so so I I don't nurse secret sorrows. I got rid of them. Yeah. And Satan tries to make me remember some of the things I did. And I can't tell you some of the stuff I did because the statute of limitation ain't run out. (laughs) You have no idea how God changed me. Yeah. So I nurse what I want, not what I have. I I don't even talk about what I have because I already got it. I'm going for what I want. Spiritual, physical, and financial. Now, that's going to make somebody mad. Somebody watching online. Well, just do what you got to do. I'm going to have what I say. And I don't need to say what I have because I already have it. That's a waste of spiritual energy. So I just have what I say. Hmm. Now, let me tell you something about God and his blessings. And I love this, this statement God gave me. God wraps his blessings up in strange disguises. And we rarely have faith to see into their heart. God will use people you would never use. I wouldn't have picked Peter to be the head of that crowd. Peter would curse you, yeah. slap you, Come on. and betray you. Yeah. Yeah. He did the same thing Judas did. He betrayed Christ. Right. He said, I need to know, no, understand. Who would you to pick? Nathaniel. That's the guy in whom there is no guile. That's the guy. That's the guy that runs the district. You understand? Get Nathaniel. Oh, but he needed a Peter with courage. He had physical courage. Now, John had moral courage. And he put those two together. You see what I'm saying? You wouldn't, you wouldn't have done that. I would have picked Nathaniel. Oh, look at him, man. God's just sweet, just as kind, nice. Yeah. But Peter was the head of that church. They called him the first pope. Now, I don't think he knew he was the first pope. 
And Jesus said, whom the men say that I am. It's good to know what people talk, saying about you. Some people say, y'all, you don't need to read that. No, Jesus did that. I do what Jesus said. Whom the men say that I am. Well, what, what, what people say, well, some say you're Elijah, man. Elias, and some, some say you're Jeremiah. Who you say I am, Peter? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus looked at him and said, flesh and blood hadn't revealed that to you, but my heavenly father. See, for the first time, Peter heard the father's voice. It's a vast difference between the son's voice and the Holy Spirit's voice. The father's voice is a still small voice with phenomenal power. The son's voice is a voice of love. Come here. I'm just going to love you. The Holy Spirit's voice is a voice of purity. And the pure, the, the pure in heart see God. The purity, see, and they come together and speak in unison or in harmonization that they become one. And then at times they become three to get over to you what he wants done. So God wraps his blessings up in strange disguises. And we rarely have faith to see into their heart. God has done some things for me that should not have worked. The blessing was there, but I couldn't see it. He said, just walk by faith. I told him one time, I said, God, you called the wrong man. I said, I'm not qualified. I hadn't been to Bible school. Listen to me. You made a mistake. I'm not going to tell anybody, but you made some mistake. I can't do this. You don't want me. My past. He said, what past? I said, my past. He said, I have no idea what you're talking about. He said, not only did he wash my sin away, he expunged my record. It, I never did it. Never. As far as he's concerned, he said, you know why I called you? Because you don't know what you're doing. He said, if you made a mistake, you wouldn't know you made a mistake because you don't know what you're doing because you're going to walk by faith and not by sight. Like when I told those people, be there at 11 o'clock, a Delta title, like I was talking about, buy that property. Ain't nobody going to do stuff. You stupid. You crazy. No, I just heard the voice of God. You focus on your priority, you eliminate your confusion. Let me show you how powerful Jesus' faith is. You can be walking in fear, and Jesus' faith will keep you up. Peter didn't know Jesus was on the water. They're all freaking out in the boat. See, if you stay in the boat, you only meet disciples. You get out on the water, you meet Jesus. He ain't in the boat. He's on the water. Watch this. He, come, he forgot to stop at the beach. David, he just kept walking. You know? Now he's stepping over waves and all that kind of stuff. My God, they go, whoa, my ghost, but they're scared. Yet he told them to go to the other side. What are you scared for? He told you to go to the other side. Man, they just, oh, God. And, you know, Peter, he's all got a big mouth. He said, if that's you, Jesus, bid me to come. They're scared. They didn't expect anybody to say anything. Jesus said, come. Peter got some guts, boy. He gets out the boat. He's full of fear. He doesn't know who it is. And yet he's walking on top of the water. You can't sink when you're focusing on Jesus and his faith. He's full of fear. He's walking toward Jesus and don't believe he's there. But he's focused on Jesus' faith. Then he takes his eyes. He's stepping over waves. Then he begins to look at the waves and his mind kicks in. You're going to drown, sucker. You're going down. Boom. He's, and he said, Lord, save me. I love what Jesus said. You were right here. Why'd you doubt? Why? See, that's what I was telling my first pastor. Why'd you doubt? 
I'm a new creature. I'm right here. This is what he said. Do you expect that? Do you believe that? Or do you mental assent to the fact that Jesus said it? When are we going to believe this? When are we going to get this? Lord, save me. And Jesus did. But notice this, when he was walking toward him, he wasn't walking in faith, he was walking in fear. But his eyes was on Jesus. That's why some people can be in fear and make it because they don't take their eyes off of Jesus. But he wants you to develop your faith. You have to develop your faith. You can't live on someone else's faith. You have to develop that. See, so Jesus wrapped that blessing in a disguise that them boys could not see that. And Jesus was concerned about Peter. He had, you know, he had a special three. He wasn't partial. Why did he love Peter, James, and John? Why? Why? Because they shared his vision. You want to get closer to somebody, you share the vision. You know, the, you know the one that he wanted to be closer to than any of them? Judas. Judas is smart. Whoever handles your money is who you're closest to. And Jesus knew the boy was stealing, been stealing for three years. But get, granting him mercy and grace. Come on, Judas. Come on. You know how it started? <laughs> Even the disciples didn't. Peter found out he'd be stealing from that back. Peter kill you, man. Peter hurt you. He's stealing from the bad because there was going to be an audit. That's why he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Get the silver. They can't arrest him. He walks on the water. I mean, he, they try to push him off a cliff, man. Judas said, we can use this guy. So I've been stealing money. So he takes the 30 pieces of silver, puts it back in the bag. So when they check it, everything's fine. Ah. They don't know nothing about it. Jesus looks at him and says, what you do, do quickly. He gave him all those chances to repent. Now, Peter did the same thing. He portrayed Jesus just like Judas. The difference is Peter repented and he forgave himself. Judas loved the Lord, but he couldn't forgive himself, listened to an outlaw spirit and killed himself. You see what I'm saying? Now, most people would have said, well, you, you, you're, not me, you're not with me in the hard times. You ain't going to be a part of this. You're not going to be the head of the Jesus of Nazareth Evangelistic Association. Because you, you were not there when I needed you. Sound familiar? Yet that boy was wrapped and disguised in a blessing. And he didn't even know it himself. Boy, then he got fearless after that. I like what he said when he comes out to the temple. Silver and gold have a none. You know why he said that? Because he just gave all his offering at the church. But such as I have, give I thee. The guy's not expecting to heal it. He's expecting some money. Grab him by the hand. Get up and walk. You never hear about the guy anymore. You know why? God gave him the ability to get a job. Healed his body. Gave him ability. You don't hear about him anymore. You see, so when you understand, let me close with this. Life in Christ is supremacy and independence over all circumstances in life. Life in Christ is supremacy and independence over all circumstances in life. So I refuse to believe for something I don't want. I don't let doctors tell me. I don't let preachers tell me. I let the Bible tell me what to believe. 
And sometimes some of these things are hard. There's some scriptures in here I don't particularly care for. I'm not going to lie. I wish I could tear them out. Just rip them out. Well, don't get mad at me. Other denominations do it. <laughs> what are you mad at me for? I, what, what do you don't like? Bless those that curse you. You like that? Anybody ever been cussed out? Hold your hand up. If you ever been cussed out, be honest. Hold your hand up. Did you bless them? They said, you no good trashy blankety blank, you ugly fat blanket. Did you go, I'm going to give you $20. I just want to bless you. <laughs> no, no. You turn around to make sure Morgan and Nancy ain't around and you go, you want to dance with me? I believe in healing because I'm going to break your leg, sucker, in a second. Some people think I shouldn't hang around with some people I hang around with. Jesus was a friend of sinners. See, Ephesians 5.1 is very strong in my life. Be you therefore imitators of God as dear children. So I get invited into the little Costa Nostra. Christmas dinners, Thanksgiving, they like me. And this is what they say, I die with you. I don't trust no priest. I don't trust none of that. I die with you. I'm glad you die with me. I don't want you to die with me. Somebody mess with you. They mess with us. I got a preacher from old Mac Gouges there. Old Mac Hammond, he said, don't mess with Jesse. Jesse connected. I said, no. I happen to know those people. Like when they, they attacked me about them four jets. I got a phone call. You want us to take care of this? I wanted to say, yeah. But I didn't. I said, what would you think of me if I tell you to do that? I forgot about it. <laughs> I die with you. They call me and I pray for their grandparents, grandkids, and some, some of them their grandparents. Some of the underbosses and the couple of regimes and, and all that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, it's all the struggle. Oh, no, it's not. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and, and they're just as much on Wall Street as they are in Main Street. It's just business, you know. So, but it's so. Kathy gave me a birthday party. That I don't think I've ever had a birthday. What a wonderful when I made 60. And Kathy invited the mob. <laughs> they love Kathy. Kathy got you back. Now, they, all these preachers, you know them. They're all at my 60th. And there's the mob in the corner. They don't even know. <laughs> well, let your light shine. Yeah. David, you got to let your light shine. So they said, man, you invite, us, you invite us to the party. We even got in the video, man. <laughs> now, Kathy, I have to, geez, I'm raised like that. I said, you got to watch what you say to these kind of people because they read into things. She comes walking up at the table. She goes, he said, how you doing? How you doing, Kathy? Kathy said, well, man, you know, we're going to have to get some more security uh, around our house, you know, all that kind of stuff because people, you know. I look at Kathy and I went, You know what he says? Let me tell you something, Kathy. Just drop our name around the house. Ain't nobody gonna touch that house. I said, Kathy, they reading in it. They think you want them to do something. And then they're gonna put slot machines that cover the church, you understand? You gotta understand how this works. You owe me a favor. Well, you've seen it in The Godfather. You got me a favor and that day may never come. But if I call, 
So I said, watch what you say. And then I made a mistake one time. Boy, I was a little aggravated this idiot across the street from me. <laughs> and I happened to mention it, eating Thanksgiving dinner. They said, you want us to take care of that? I'll take, I, I'll take his kneecaps off today by two o'clock. <laughs> I wanted to go, yeah. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. Oh, he's gonna take the kneecaps off. It's gonna happen. Ain't no, ain't no, ain't no choice in the matter. I said, no, 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 you can't do that. We're gonna pray for him. Yeah. Well, just in case the prayer is not answered. <laughs> See, they're trying to get me to believe in something I don't want. See, you thought I was off the message. Oh, no. I'm still in the field here. No, no, I don't want to do that. And who, who would have thought this happened? Good God. Oh, one of the underbosses passed away, and I, I said, I'm going to the funeral, because they end the respect. You're going to respect me. They were called back in the day men of honor, the Sicilians, because the other Italians looked down on them. So they, they formed the Locosa Nosha, this thing, our thing, so they could do protection. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, they said, Reverend, we know you want to come, but the FBI and the Department of Justice are going to be there. You're going to get pictures. And I looked at him, I said, I respected your daddy in life. I'm going to respect him in death. You understand? You got to talk like that. Yeah. They go, I got it. Sure enough, man, me and Kathy, we go there, and man, that's the Department of Justice, and here I am. They want me to ride in the family car. And what they do, they go around the neighborhood that that particular capo controls, which is an act of honor, you know what I'm saying? And I said, no, man, you touched my heart, man. I said, but you know what? Y'all need to get in, I'll drive my car, and I'll be right behind you. Okay, man. Come to the house, you know, you gotta eat up. I said, okay. So, you know, we did that. So we we standing like, here comes the man's wife. Oh, Mr. Jesse. Oh, thank you for coming. We love you so much. You and Miss Kathy, such a blessing. I said, thank you. I said, well, you know, I said, uh, I know these things are not easy. I said, but uh, uh, I got him born again four hours before he passed away. Oh, thank you. I did. I did. And you know, I never thought, I, I thought if I'd get saved, I'd never see those people again. Yeah. And the Lord said, well, they need Jesus. I had the FBI calling me, the Department of Justice. You know who this is? You don't know who this is. But they need Jesus just like you. So one of the underbosses come up and he says, I want to introduce you to some of my associates. Now they're from New York, Kansas City, Chicago, LA, Detroit, New Orleans. And he says, oh, I want to introduce you this is Reverend Jesse the President and Reverend Kathy the President. The guy, he was from Kansas City. He goes, oh, I made that capo mad. He said, what's the matter with you? You disrespect my friends? Wow. You think I only know gangsters? I know people here. I said, say something, Kathy. <laughs> she said, oh, that's okay. It was real nice. But he knew it. He came back and apologized. Wow. Yeah. I mean, these guys are, these are very powerful people, you know, but in the wrong profession but they can get born again. Can't get somebody like that born again. Yeah, you can. See, you're trying to get me to believe in something I don't want. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when you understand that, only Jesus some people may ever see is the Jesus in you or the Jesus in me. I did something I shouldn't have done, but it was funny. It's my last story. We would just came back from a tour. I mean, we were running 90 to nothing. I've never been to Bermuda in my life. And they wear coat and tie and Bermuda shorts. <laughs> nice shoes and long socks up to your knees. That's Bermuda. You know, I thought, good Lord, look at this, you know. And, uh, you know, and then I went from there to Verona, Italy, and I preached. Then from Verona, Italy, I went to Copenhagen, Denmark, ministered. Then from Copenhagen to Beale, Switzerland, ministered. I'm just traveling. Well, we want to get something to eat. Where were we in Denmark? Was that in Denmark? With that, that restaurant, that Italian restaurant we went to. Was that Denmark? No, that was Beale, Switzerland. That's Switzerland. So I walked in like that, and, um, and I get tired of walking around these uh, beautiful, Switzerland's gorgeous, just beautiful. I said, where, 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 where are we going, man? Because you can't read, everything is in, in this language, and it, it, I can't read it, so it's kind of frustrating, you know. Finally, we see this restaurant, and they're all sitting outside in a big, beautiful tree covering everything so the sun won't hit you. So we go in there, and I go, okay, come on. Let's, let's sit down. So me and Kathy and our two pilots, Eli and Ken, we sit there like that. This guy comes up and he's, a, he's, a, he, he's an Italian. I can tell you. He, go, he said, what do you need? What, what do you want? I said, you speak English. Piquito. That's Spanish, but very little. You know, I get them all mixed up. You know? They're all looking like to me. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I, they're different languages. I don't know. I mean, you know. And I said, well, what, what, you, got, you got any soup? He goes, oh, you stressed. I said, no, I'm not stressed. I just want a cup of soup. I'm going to give a cup of soup to your wife. He gives Kathy the soup. Kathy said, you want to taste it? Yeah. He sees me taste it. So every time he brought food to the table, he said, you want to taste it first? <laughs> and I looked at him. I said, are you from Sicily? Oh, no. I'm further up north. I'm from Napoli. And I said, I'm going to change this guy's attitude. And I said, hmm. I mentioned this, Cosa Nostra. And he just looked. Went back in the back, come back. His whole attitude's changed. <laughs> Ooh, how about taste this? We can have this. I made him an offer he couldn't refuse. That's all I said. And people know. You know, and, I, and I, so I gave, they don't tip, and they, don't, they don't tip, Europe don't tip. They just don't do that. So many, he really said, I said, I, 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 I want some of that uh, Italian ham. And he said, how about some mozzarella? He said, I'm going to make something up for you. Boy, I mean, he did. It was nice, you know. So I paid him, and I gave him 100 euros. He goes, you want me to break this? I said, that's yours. Are you, are you serious? I said, yeah, you did a good job. I said, I'm not Cosa Nostra. He goes, okay. <laughs> but in 1970, they began to change the rules. For you to be in that, you got to have Sicilian parents, father and mother. Well, they changed it in 1970 when Colombo was shot in, way back when, if you remember all that, in, in uh, Central Park and all that kind of stuff. So you could have to be, you had to have one parent that was Sicilian before you had to have two. Well, the 90s came, the late 90s. And now you got the Jamaican mafia, you got the Puerto Rican mafia, you know, you got every kind of, 
at one time it was strictly Italian. So they changed it. That you could become a made man. Made man means nobody mess with you. Now when I talk to them, I talk like them. I said, I'm a made man. I've been made the righteousness of God. You understand? <laughs> I said, the copy to do the decopy the boss of the bosses. You got to talk like that. Yeah. They go, I got it. I got it. You know? And you can lead them to Jesus, man. It's a blessing of God, you know. <laughs> so another one of our good friends passed away. We go to the funeral. So here comes Kathy. They say, it's Catholic. Going to say the rosary. You know, you got to say that. So we smiling. We're just being, you know, just honorable. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are the women. Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for our sinners now and at the hour of our death. Uh, Father, art in heaven, I'll be thy name. Thy kingdom. Uh, hail Mary, full of grace. So we just been, we're not praying it. We just, you know, just kind of like that. So after they did all the rosary, the, uh, the, the underboss come. He said, I want to talk to you, Reverend. You know, the Catholic was with me. You understand the life. You know, we die with you. I said, yeah, I said, thank you. And you know, you pray for our grandkids and, you know, and you get people into heaven. I said, no, I didn't do that. Jesus didn't do that. Whatever. You know, <laughs> whatever. That's how I said. You know, they said, we would like to put you up for membership. <laughs> See, you couldn't be in that unless you Sicilian. Now, you can work for the mafia, but you ain't going to be a made man. And I thought, this is an honor. This is big. Kathy goes, you ain't joining no mafia family at all. <laughs> now, you, I don't know what you got to say, but you get out of this right now. You understand? <laughs> can you imagine that? We're going to have a big meeting. Everybody coming. You understand? <laughs> I said, you touch my heart. My hand, you touch my heart. Thank you that you would consider me. He said, that just never happens. But the New York Five family know you? I said, I said, I'm already been made. Was it, what was it? I said, I already been made. I've been made the righteousness of God. I serve the copy to duty, the copy to boss of the boss. He goes, I understand. It's higher than us. I said, yes, it is. See my point? Now watch it. Even though that's a great honor in that way of thinking, they're trying to get me to believe for something I don't want. Remember that. Always subtle. May come in a nice way. But it's not of God. Because you've already been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Did you enjoy it this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.